0: Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis, or VeloSews on social media, and today is Sew Over 50 Thursday. Now grab a cuppa and relax with us. Sew Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to Sew Over 50 Thursday on Sew Organised Style Podcast. So over fifty intersects with all communities. Today's guest is Rhonda Bus, or So Busted, as she's known on Instagram. I'm a long-time follower of Rhonda's blog, and I'm so pleased that she's here to talk to us today. So let's give a warm welcome to Rhonda. How are you, Rhonda?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's really great that we could tee up time together to actually meet now.
1: Yes, I know. After all these years. <laughs>
0: If listeners don't know, Rhonda's had a blog for many, many years and shared her sewing and her free patterns that she's found for sewists, And that's been such a valuable resource for the sewing community.
1: I have two series on the blog. One is very easy to find because I did a series called Sleeves on Saturdays because I like putting the words together like that. So Sleeves on Saturdays, and I actually show you in that series, there are all these different types of sleeves, and I show you how to draft them, taking just a basic straight sleeve and drafting those sleeves. And then I have another series. So on the the blog that I have right now, the Sleeves on Saturdays, you can find along the, the top in the tab there, you can just click on that, and it'll take you to all the different sleeve drafting tutorials. There's another one called Fabulous Free Pattern Friday because I love rectangles and geometric shapes. And so I show you how to take really very basic shapes and make something that looks really quite stunning. And the way that got started is I was teaching a class years ago and a young woman, she had quit her job and a job where she was making quite a bit of money. And, but she'd had a baby and she wanted to be home with her, her daughter. And so I showed her how to do just a basic straight skirt with an elastic waist. She was so excited. She came back the next week and she'd done five more. And and she said, do you know how much I would have spent buying these skirts? And she said, now I can have this whole wardrobe. This is just so fantastic. And what I did is I just showed her how to do it with her basic measurements. And so I thought, you know, for a lot of people, when we learn to sew, you know, you go to the store, you get the pattern, you come home and, and you think that I'm going to make this pattern. It's going to look fabulous. And you put it on and it looks horrible. Yeah. And then being women, we think it's us and not the pattern or the wrong size or whatever it was. And then we said, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then people don't sew. And I just felt that it People can do things that are simple shapes and they have success with it. It'll encourage them to keep going. So that's how that all came about.
0: And I'm sure that there are a lot of people who had read your blog posts at the time who have now enjoyed sewing and making clothes that actually fit them that they can wear quite easily.
1: Right. Well, that's the one thing. That's what I find so wonderful, especially about blogging, is that there are blogging and YouTube that there are so many people that share their tips on fitting and you know just a myriad of things that you know you can just google whatever full bust adjustment or whatever and you can go and you can find out how to do that where you know you know the stone age that I come from that just wasn't <laughs> available.
0: <laughs> yes, those times have passed now.
1: Thankfully. Yes. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah.
0: One of the things I wasn't aware of when I looked at your bio on Instagram, you talk about saving lost dogs.
1: Yes. The story, I think most people you know, that know about my Instagram account or my blog or Facebook, that I am a pilot. And so years ago, back just prior to September 11th, I was going to go to work for a small airline here in the Chicago area. And then when that happened, that all fell apart. And, you know, the aviation industry just really came to a standstill for a while. After. So I decided, what do I want to do? So I knew about an organization that they rescued, Airedale Terriers. And I asked, well, do you need someone to help, like, fly them from one place to the other? And they said, oh, my goodness, we would love that. And so I started picking up these dogs all over the place and helping them. Some of the dogs that I've flown, they needed medical care. Some were being transferred just because they were here in the United States. In the Southern states, there are a lot of high kill shelters, so they don't keep the dogs for more than just a few days sometimes. And so I've gone and picked up dogs and brought them to a shelter where they have a much better chance. And I've had some really sweet stories I had flown some dogs and they were puppies, actually. And if I get puppies, I always, when I get them to their destination, I give them a kiss and I tell them, I said, okay, you've been given your chance. Go do something fantastic. So I got an email and the dog in the picture was an adult dog. And, you know, if you have a puppy that you, the puppy grows up with you, they always look the same to you. But I saw the dog as a puppy and now it's an adult and I can't remember. So I got out some of my pictures and I actually compared the spots to see if I could, find it. and I found the dog and, oh my goodness, this little dog, she had just done amazing things. She was actually sent to become a psychiatric therapy dog. And the young man that she lived with, he had been in the Iraq war and he'd come back with just very, very severe post-traumatic stress syndrome to the point that, he couldn't even leave the house Mm. and so after she came to live with him he he'd never be able to drive but if he was out and he was about to have a panic attack she would know before and she could get him to sit down and calm him down Mm. so that it wouldn't go into a full-blown attack and it was just amazing to hear the things that she had done and in the picture she had her little vest on and that you know stated that she was a therapy dog and so it was really quite sweet. And so I've flown for a number of organizations. And so, you know, quite often I don't know too much about the story about the dog. They're mine for three, four hours, whatever the flight is. And, and I take them wherever they're going. And I get to have just a small, small little part of their life help them go on and then maybe help enrich someone else's life when they get that
0: dog. That's a wonderful story that, you know, that one little dog has done so much for someone who really needed her help or his help.
1: Yeah. That made me feel really, it kind of makes you feel like it's been worth you being on this earth. you
0: know. <laughs> it's a worthwhile role that you've played for those dogs and for the people who have benefited from their lives.
1: Right.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Head back to the sewing. You started at age five.
1: It was with my grandmother and I spent a tremendous amount of time with my grandmother and I loved everything she did and what she did, I wanted to do. And I can remember even much earlier than that because she only had a treadle machine her entire sewing career. She only had a treadle. So she would disengage and I would play underneath and and just work the pedal. And I two-year-old, you know, that's just fantastic entertainment. (laughs) She was very interesting. She had a a little bit more of a Victorian way of thinking about things. And she felt that a little girl did need to know how to cook and sew and, you know, to be the good wife and to keep a nice house. And so she saw that I really wanted to do something. And so we sat down and we did a little embroidery project, which I still have. And then I finished the edges. It was a little handkerchief, and I finished the edges on the handkerchief. And, and what I, I loved about it is that I had her total attention. And she taught me. I took things a whole lot further than what she did, but she just seemed to understand what my hands and my mind were capable of doing. And so we started with embroidery, and then I did a little bit more sewing. And she taught me to crochet and to knit, even to do tatting. I I really was quite blessed. And I cooked with her too. So, you know, I, I really thank her for adding so much to my life because if it hadn't been for her, I don't know how I would have ever picked up the things that I know how to do.
0: The fact that she took you through all of those skill sets, including tatting and learning how to make the recipes that she was doing at that time, that's quite good.
1: Yes. Well, the tatting, that was Talk about patience because just, you know, getting my hands so that I could slip the knots and I would make knots and then it wouldn't slip and I would get so frustrated and I'd throw it down. I just can't do it. I can't do it. And she would just very patiently, she say, no, pick it up. And I think if I had been the one teaching a child to do it, I would have just broken the string and okay, we'll just start again. Oh, not her. We had to pick that knot out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you know, her, her patience and perseverance paid off and I learned. And, you know, it's just it's kind of a nice thing to do that just it's rather a soothing, a soothing practice, actually, almost meditative, I think.
0: Yeah. When you're doing all those crafts, you're probably thinking about her at times as well.
1: Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. Yeah.
0: We're in 2021. And it looks like you've got a particular challenge that you're doing at the moment.
1: Well, actually, the challenge that I started, I started it last year. And it came about primarily because of the pandemic. And and I initially fell into the, the same little thing as many people did. And, and I thought, well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not seeing anyone. And There were a few days I stayed in my pajamas all day and then one day it just hit me and I thought, I know it sounds a little bit morbid, but I thought, if this was your last day on earth, is this how you would have wanted to spend it? Lord, no. And so, and I thought, and then I started thinking about, really, should I be dressing for others or dressing for myself? And so I decided, you know, get yourself up, put something on that makes you feel great, put your makeup on. Who cares if you see anyone or not? You see yourself. And so then I decided to take it a little further. And I really wanted a year of wearing clothes that I've made every day. And so I posted it on, started posting it on Instagram. And actually, my challenge came to an end on July 1st. But, you know, I didn't want to be the person that came to the party and stayed far too long. So I posted it on Instagram. And I said, well, should I should I keep doing it? Or should I just call it a day? And the consensus was keep doing it. So I decided, okay, I'll, you know, for now, I'll keep doing it. I would like to add something to the challenge, but I just haven't come up with anything at this point that really seems to hit me. If someone's listening to this and you want to email me, my email is so busted at yahoo.com. Email me and let me know if you think you have an idea of adding something to the challenge that would be good. I always like adding a little something more, but I do have two other challenges that I'm working on at the moment. One is I'm just about ready to take my test to have an add-on for a seaplane, which has been just just the best landing a plane in the water is just there's just nothing like it and so i'm really excited about that and i went out and i took my first lesson in a glider and so when you learn to fly a powered airplane gliding is definitely part of it in the event that you lose that engine but to actually just fly a plane that has no engine in it at all so i'm excited about that so those are two challenges that i'm working on but those are totally not sewing related at all, but I'd really like to add a little something to to up the ante as far as sewing is concerned. So if someone's out there and they can help me, that would be great.
0: Rhonda, can you tell us what the name of the sewing challenge for you was for the year?
1: I just called it a one year challenge and I didn't I don't think I actually ever officially gave it a real name other than just a one year challenge to wear my handmade garments for a year. And it's been fun and I learned a lot. You know, if it seems like something that sounds interesting to you is to to really give it a try. And and it's it's the way my mind has changed over the year has it's something that I'm really, really happy that I did.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. And I think that's where a lot of people have seen you show your energy every day <laughs> wearing your your clothes that you've made on the videos.
1: A friend of mine commented She said, you know, since you've been doing that, have you noticed how many other people are now doing that on Instagram? And I said, yeah, I have. (laughs) I didn't really think it had anything to do with me. And she said, I think it has, but who knows? That's good. Yeah. You've described
0: why you started doing it and the fact that people have picked up on that is actually a good thing.
1: I think so. You know, I think that that's one of the things that I like so much about the So Over Fifty hashtag on Instagram is that I really like that it seems to give women permission to just feel good about themselves and feel good about what they've made and, and celebrate what they're doing. And When did
0: you discover the Cyber50 community?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it may have been just prior to starting the challenge, maybe a, a few months before starting the challenge, that I, I just seemed to I think I knew about it, but I didn't really hone in on it until maybe a few months before I started the challenge. And then then I started paying more attention. And I, I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful platform.
0: And I know that this year, Sober 50 has started to highlight the men in the Sober 50 community. So we're in the middle of doing some podcasts with the men from the Sober 50 community as well. So I think it's really great to see how it's starting to intersect with a lot of people from many areas. Yeah. Right. Just as a background, Susan Young wrote a story about Sewing for Men and three men who were shown in, in sober fifty and I'm doing a Sewing for Men series. So it's either men who sew or people who have sewn men's clothing. So I'm following that vein at the moment as well.
1: Very nice. Yeah. I think you know, there are, you know, definitely there are men out there who are doing some really wonderful things. I know years ago, a friend of mine had told me about a friend of hers whose father had made all of the bridesmaids' dresses for her wedding. And that's just something that isn't done very often. And, you know, to hear, hear about men who are sewing and doing things, and I just think it's wonderful that they're sewing for themselves, they're sewing for their families, and it's uh, such a wonderful creative outlet. Regardless if you're a man or a woman, it doesn't really doesn't matter.
0: That's right, and it's good that we're starting to see more on Instagram, so that's great for everybody.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now the Hort Couture Club of Chicago. When we spoke to Sunetta Burwell, she said she is part of the Hort Couture Club of Chicago. Are you part of that club as well? I
1: am. I was president twice. I served as president and I enjoyed it very, very much. And I've served as the fashion show chairman three or four times. I can't remember, but minus is this last year. We typically do a, a big fashion show every year and we try to give out scholarships. We do have a few fashion schools here in Chicago, and so we give out scholarships to. You know, students, it's just a lot of fun. And the organization has been around since the 60s. So it's, it really has quite an incredible history. And, you know, we've evolved over the years. You know, we don't dress the same way as we did 60 years ago. <laughs> the ladies who were early on in the, in the club, they had a, a real focus on tailoring, but very structured tailoring. And in today's world, you know, if you have one or two really great tailored jackets, it's pretty much all you want. And in those days, they wore them quite a bit more. So, you know, things have relaxed. But a number of the ladies, they really, they really do enjoy a more of a couture, developing a couture uh, style of sewing, which is nice. And there is couture, and then there is you know, the sewing that we do more on an everyday basis. But I think once you hone that skill, it just makes everything else a little finer. Anyway, it's a fun organization. And one of the things that they've done during the COVID situation was everything has been online and pretty much anybody can tune in. And we meet on first Saturday of the month. So we now have members from all over the world and one of the things that they would like, they're planning for us to be able to start meeting again in September in person, mm-hmm. but to continue having the online Zoom aspect to the meetings so that people from other places can continue to be a part and feel a part of the organization because, you know, there's, there's a lovely energy about everyone and their passion for what they do. And so it's nice.
0: It's great to hear that the Hawk Couture Club of Chicago has now got a permanent online version for us all to join. Couture sewing skills are really good to have and you can then use them on other things so you don't have to just make really well-fitted jackets all the time. Right. I hope listeners will contact the Hawk Couture Club of Chicago if they want to go down that path of starting to develop their couture skills from any part of the world.
1: It's nice to be able to tune in to the meetings we had, it was not couture at all, um, but it was a lot of fun. We had two young ladies who they crochet. The way they add crochet to garments, it just is just funky cool. You know, it was just fabulous, just really fabulous, you know, so adding, you know, something that, that really makes a garment stand out in a very special way. So, you know, we have everything from the more artsy type of you know, the person is doing things that are really quite artsy to having a couture, Susan Calgee. I know she did a, um, a meeting a few months back. There's something for everybody. So if you don't really care about the couture aspect of sewing, not a problem. There's still something there that you'll find interesting and fun. And, and then, like I said, just the ladies are a lot of fun, too.
0: That's good. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing. I'm really, really pleased to hear that you know, it's become more accessible for people. So you don't just have to live in Chicago. So that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you know, the pandemic. There were lots of horrible things through the pandemic, but I know for myself, it just seems that there's been a lot of good that's come out of it as well. And and I, as far as Hope Tour is concerned, I think the fact that they were forced to do the Zoom meetings and now they have found. A way to add something, you know, to make it a more welcoming organization by being able to open it up to a a much larger audience now, which is really nice. That's wonderful. Yeah. While sewing is a very solitary thing to do. I know for my life, I have so many friends that I would not have had it not been for sewing. And every year at Christmas time, I have a a group of friends that all come and have dinner with my husband and myself for Christmas Eve. And it just struck me one year that every woman at the table was there because of a sewing related reason for meeting. One, I did her wedding gown 25, six, seven years ago. (laughs) And then the others I've met through the whole Couture Club. Mm So anyway, I think that sewing is something that it really enriches our lives in a way that's far beyond the machine, far, far beyond just being in a room by ourselves. And I think, too, that being able to go out in the world and show something that you've done is so special these days, especially the world that we live in, where there's so many that they have moved away from really valuing what they wear and for us to be able to go out and show that and share that with the world and a different perspective I think is really quite a gift.
0: It's really great that you brought up the issue about how sewing isn't just about the sewing itself, but it's the relationships that you've built over time. And it they are valuable relationships.
1: Very, very valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. Rhonda, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast for so over 50 i really appreciate the fact that you've shared so much with us and i feel so much more inspired now oh, thank you
1: very much it was really a joy for me i i've been looking forward to it ever since i heard from
0: you i'm so excited about meeting today so thank you again thank you and have a lovely day listeners this episode of so organized style podcast for so over 50 was produced by me maria Thea Harris, with permission of Rhonda Bus. Sound by BenSound.com. You can subscribe to So Organized Tell Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Make sure you give us a five-star rating and review, and we hope that you'll support us through our Patreon account. Make sure you listen to all the free So Over Fifty podcasts to hear from great people from the So Over Fifty community. Every podcast is free with the aim to keep you company and encourage you to sew more often. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our podcast website at SewOrganizedStyle.com or on our Instagram account at SewOrganizedStyle or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.